Hey, if you love the rewatchables, we moved the entire archives to Spotify. That's where you can find over 150 movies. You can still get all the new ones on every platform for at least the first two months of the pod, but the entire archives now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. You know what sounds good after a long day? Ice cream. I love ice cream. Right now is the perfect time to get some. Sonic has half-price shakes every night after 7 p.m. when you order online or in the app. Just think of it. All that creamy, soft serve, hand-mixed with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size. Listen, a lot of people like goofy shakes. I like vanilla shakes. You can throw 40 flavors at me. You know what I'm going to order? You know what I love the most? Vanilla shakes. It's perfect because me and my family, at least once a week, we still all get ice cream together when we're together. Grab Sonic Half Price Shakes after 7 p.m. now. Exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic drive-ins. Coming up. I'm not going to die. The Martian is next. Prep emergency departure. Ready? Watch out! Ready! My team must have thought I was dead. But I'm alive. Surprise. (laughs) No matter what happens, tell the world, (laughs) tell my family, that I never stop fighting. To make it home. The Martian. Rated PG-13. All right, we have a four-person show for a movie that has been shockingly rewatchable. It only came out five years ago. It's a rare modern rewatchables. Van Lathan is here, Sean Fennessy, Chris Ryan. And we're going to talk about a movie that got shut out at the Oscars, but did get nominated for, for seven of them. Is one of my favorite Matt Damon performances. Sean, I'll start with you. Is this the most entertaining science fiction movie? Whoa. Damn. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna Christ. I was gonna give you a heads up. I was gonna ask you that, but I thought it'd be more fun to to horrify you and take you by surprise. I mean, that's just really strong. Like that's just a that's a bold <laughs> claim for the last hundred. You think years this is more movies. entertaining than Apollo? Well, I'll give you the candidates. Van, pay attention. This is really I important. am. I'm listening. I'm saying entertaining. I'm not saying best. I'm saying entertaining start to finish. Our candidates are Aliens, Terminator 2, Blade Runner, Children of Men, Under the Skin, Gravity, The Matrix, Mad Max, Fury Road, Edge of Tomorrow, Inception, and and the original Terminator. I don't think 2001, as great as it is, is necessarily an entertaining romp. Depends on if you've dropped a tab of acid or not. You know, that's the real question <laughs> yeah. with 2001. Seriously, where are you at in your trip? Uh, I, I can think of several movies on that list that you just named that are more entertaining than The Martian. And I love The Martian. Okay. I agree. I love The Martian. So what do you guys have? What, give me your most entertaining. I, you didn't even mention Minority Report, but I would say Minority Report is a more traditionally entertaining movie because it's a thriller. Um, 
But I I'm definitely, de- I'm definitely going under the skin, man. That's just like a laugh a minute. <laughs> That's just like a thrill ride. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh. t- I mean, Terminator 2 is more entertaining. Terminator on, 2 is, that's a like a all-time classic. That's in the 100, is that in the 100 greatest movies conversation? So I don't think The Martian is that that big. Chris, Terminator 2 is also my answer. I think that's the goat for me in this conversation. I think that there's, that's like a, you're, you're, you're massaging sci-fi. Is this the most entertaining space movie? I mm. think it's in, I think it's neck and neck with probably Aliens and Apollo 13 for me. Okay. Van, what do you have? I'm, I'm asking a question here. So when we say space movie and sci-fi, we are just completely disqualifying anything Star Wars. So none of those movies mm. count. You guys are counting well, those as fancy. Because mm. I, would say, I would say that The Empire Strikes Back is more entertaining than this movie and then many of the other movies that were on that list. And if you're talking about space, then obviously Star Wars fits in that. And... I'd say that Empire Strikes Back or I like Return of the Jedi as being just as entertaining as this movie, if not more. Mm. I agree. Yeah. My point is it's <laughs> it's it's not the most entertaining, but it's very freaking entertaining. And what yeah. I like about it is it's a start to finish, ends in one thing, there will be no sequel, just a movie that somebody created from scratch from a book that was written within the last 10 years. And there's no attempt to say, hey, we're making nine of these. It just kind of comes and goes. And I don't feel like we have enough of those. Chris, what's your favorite thing about this movie? Uh, that it, it's about movie making, I think. It's, a ba- it's essentially about problem solving and ingenuity and doing your job and being excellent at your craft. This is a guy is a botanist, but somehow uses all the training that he has to live in indescribable unbelievable conditions for such a long time waiting for his rescue. And I think that it's kind of like a testament to Ridley Scott, who's like the ultimate visual artist and and sort of pros pro when it comes to directing. And he gets to make this, this kind of like, really like you're saying, like you don't see these anymore, but these like kind of standalone blockbusters without any theme park possibilities, without any, you know, action figure possibilities, without any Happy Meal possibilities. But everybody on this movie does their job like at, at their absolute maximum capacity. Like the production design, the cinematography, the special effects, the music's great. Every actor is just delightful. The only thing I have, the only problem I have with this movie is it's like the, the least dramatic drama. I mean, there's there's just never a single moment where I'm like, man, I hope I hope Mark Matt Damon makes it. I hope Mark makes it. It's like he's <laughs> gonna make it. This is watching the the highlight reel on Sports Center. You know the result. Mm-hmm. To that point, I think what I love about the movie is that the, despite what you just said, the stakes are still astronomically high. If any character in the movie were three IQ points dumber, he dies. Like any character from the top to the bottom, right? And that's very rare in a film. If she doesn't see him moving the thing, if she's not good at her job, if she, if 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 the uh, if his whole crew, if they're not as brave as they are, if he is not incredibly, there's so much problem solving done by every single character. It was really, if the Chinese don't get involved, what kind of, that's how you know this is a fantasy. The Chinese (laughs) and the Americans are working together. If if they don't get involved, you know what I mean? So if anyone drops the ball, he dies. And so just watching that all play out is kind of what I love about the movie the most. Sean? Yeah, I mean, 
Van is tapped into my brain. I, I, this movie is uh, an incredible relic of the Obama era in American history. I mean, it just feels like a completely different time. It's a movie that's dedicated to faith in a government institution. It's a movie that imagines a world in which the United States and China can collaborate to save something. Um, it's a movie that values science and intelligence over everything else. It's it's truly like it it valorizes the people who are the smartest people. And it does not feel like we live in a world where that's the case right now. And it's also like the ultimate star vehicle. And it's also, you know, I, I just realized this last night watching and I was like, this is the first Zoom movie. This is the first movie we've ever got where it's basically mm. just people looking at each other on screens and communicating and not just Mark Watney, but also the other astronauts and also Benedict Wong, Wong's character. Everybody is just in screen communicating yeah. and it kind of foretells what's what's coming in the future. Well, it's funny. This movie gets beaten by The Revenant in the Oscars, which is a weirdly similar movie in the in the sense that it's a star chewing up scenes by himself, which doesn't happen very often. As you guys know, I love Tom Hanks and Castaway. I did Castaway by myself for the rewatchables. <laughs> um, this is this definitely taps into that DNA, and I think The Revenant did too. You talked about how it's a star making, it's a star performance. There's not a lot of actors that could have pulled off. I'm in Mars. I'm talking to some camera. I have no idea if anyone will ever see these videos. I'm going to crack jokes. I'm scared, but I'm not going to be too scared because I'm the hero of the movie. Like It's really a movie Tom Hanks makes probably in 1993, and you go through these checkpoints of people who could, been in it, who could have been in it. Van, how many people could have been in this part? Like I feel like Denzel could have done it. Mm, Matt yeah. Damon, Leo. Denzel, Hanks. Matt Damon, Leo, Hanks, because you have to, you have to have a comedic confidence in the role uh, that it's very hard for a lot of actors to like pull off. Because this guy, the reason why he doesn't, the reason why Mark Watney doesn't succumb to panic is because he knows that he has in his head what he needs to figure everything yeah. out, right? Um, and he's he's lighthearted about it. He never really shows ah until the one part, right? So. I'm trying to think, um, you really pro maybe Will, maybe Will yeah, could have pulled Will it Smith. off. Peak Will Smith could have probably pulled it off. You know what I mean? Smiling a lot through it. Like what? What age, are we talking? Like two thousand one range? Will Smith? We're talking. I am legend. Yeah, Will yeah, Smith, yeah. as yeah. if he hadn't had enough of being by himself. You know, let's get him to do some pull ups up there in Mars. Yeah, Will Smith so, could done it. I'm with that. Will, Will Smith definitely. Just guys like that who can who can ride that line between giving you a fine acting performance and giving you the star charisma performance. Maybe Tom Cruise. Maybe Chris. What about Pacino? I was I was actually thinking Irishman era Pe Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got the potato and the Vicodin. <laughs> um, I think Pacino could have done the. I definitely. I got potatoes. Turn it into shit. <laughs> I've got a transformer that doesn't work. I, I had been saving this for you, but I was gonna say it's just like you know who's looking at us. NASA! <laughs> Hello, motherfuckers! Okay, motherfuckers! Time yeah. to refuel! Sean, what actor does this movie go the worst with? Oh, what man. Heat, what heat check actor who's like, I could do this, I'll be the Martian, and it just goes wrong. Uh, I don't think this is a good vehicle for Jim Carrey. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think you, because the whole movie, right, is that, and I think what Van is saying is right too, which is that Mark is persisting through this time because he knows he has to perform for the camera, right? Like he's doing these diary entries and he's looking at the camera all the time and that's keeping him sane. If you turn a camera on Jim Carrey, his face starts melting and exploding all over the place and he would just go way over the top. And you need like, you know, Damon has this kind of calm, sly, subtle sense of humor that get that really carries the movie. I have one for you guys that I think would have been really fun. I don't think it's as good of a movie, but I I think it would have tapped into something that I really like about him. Sean, hold your seat here. Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> I know what? it sounds weird, right? On paper, but it's NASA, like <laughs> no, 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 not, not that Adam Sandler. I'm talking about the punch drunk love type of sure. funny people type of. I'm actually going to take this movie completely seriously, Adam Sandler. That the hump you'd have to get over is: Do I believe this guy is one of the smartest people on the earth? I we've never seen it. Damon had this DNA from Good Will Hunting, where I'm like. Oh, I mean, he crushed it at MIT. I totally think he's he also can figure out the like botany, thing. botany is a good is a good like expertise for him because that's not over everybody's heads. Like astrophysics, you know, any kind of like deep deep math, your mm. average moviegoer is going to be like, I, I stopped paying attention to this in eighth grade. Like, what are you guys talking about? But this is just farming and gardening. I mean, he's just like, I know how to make soil, you know, and then the making the water stuff. All the things that he does are pretty understandable like you kind of know okay like he's making water like that does make sense to me it's not like he's like sitting there with like a graph chart and like you know right an abacus or something the entire time i don't know I, if we we're gonna do sandler i would want to see him do the uncut gems character just because <laughs> i would want i would want him to have like a crippling sports gambling addiction and have to wait like four months for the results of the celtics game to get back to him <laughs> <laughs> like he's just like he sends a message to his bookie and then he has to wait four months to find out if they beat the jazz. I think 1994 five range Lawrence Fishburne would have been really good too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. hmm. I think he would have done some stuff. Tarantino's in my head with Fishburne ever since we had that pod with him and he was talking about how he should have been one of the greatest actors. Because I do think ultimately this is a great actor part. And yeah, but remember the actor needs to be able to float. Totally. Right. You you got to float in this one. And Lawrence Fishburne is very, very strong on screen every time he's on screen. And with this one, you kind of got to be able to float, laugh back with the audience a little bit, tongue in cheek, wink, wink, disco music, I'm about to die, all of these things. You know what I mean? And Lawrence is, Ur. you know what I mean? It's Ike Turner, dog. I don't know if Ike Turner survives in space. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis would have not worked. <laughs> I don't know what his version of this would have been, but I don't know if I would have enjoyed hanging out with him by himself as he looked into a camera and talked. Who knows more about potatoes than an Irishman? Though? I mean, Jesus. <laughs> think about there that. you go. Yeah. Fair. Uh, so Damon, this is an important movie for him for the whole kind of the piece, the, the three decades of Damon, because he makes Departed in 2006 and Born Ultimatum in 07. And then from 08 to 14, really only makes one memorable movie, Contagion, mm -hmm. which he's in an ensemble cast for that, but had a lot of misses, you know? And I, he was somebody that we all liked, but, you know, had a couple times there, like We Bought a Zoo and things like that, where you're like, oh, that one didn't work. And then you go, the next one, oh, that one didn't really work either. 
And this comes at a really important time for him because, you know, other if 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 this doesn't happen, you're looking at like a 12-year run. This ends up being one of his defining performances. Van, who do you have Damon versus Leo? Uh, Leo in almost every category. What do you mean? Okay. Like, like in overall? Yeah. I think Leo's the best version of Damon. You know, I think, I think, first of all, I have a lot of, I love Matt Damon. And by the way, I like Matt Damon. It's weird. I like Matt Damon more than I like Leonardo DiCaprio. As a dude. Because as, as a dude, as a person, as a guy, you know what I mean? And by the way, I think you left out behind the candelabra in that, which I really enjoyed. The HBO movie with him and Michael Douglas, the, the Liberace joint. I really enjoyed that movie. I think that's in the yeah, early didn't leave out. 2010s. Yeah, I think, um, but I, I He's really He's real funny that in that too. Yeah. Really great. I thought he was really good in that. Um, but anyway, so no, I, I got Leo because, I mean, by every sort of substantial metric, Leo kind of laps Matt Damon, man. Like every metric, you know, he. Uh, I don't know. Some, I don't. I, I disagree with that. Really? I think Damon's really good. I, I think I think Damon could do the regular guy thing a lot better than Leo could. I think Leo's a could do the artsy fartsy Oscar bait kind of part. The better. fundamental difference between them, I mean, there are many, but the fundamental one is I think that Matt Damon is pretty indifferent about being the lead actor. I think he's f- happy to be a movie star, but Matt Damon probably wouldn't make The Revenant. Like, I don't think Matt Damon wants to be alone in a movie. I think he likes acting with people. Like, that's well, why I don't think Leo would have done Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, exactly. Matt Damon would be happy to be in Contagion. He's happy to be in Candelabra. He's happy to be he obviously doesn't get a chance to act with a lot of the people in The Martian mm. that much, but he's in a movie with a dozen deep bench. Leo is down to do, like, I got to wear this makeup the entire movie and I'm doing an accent and there's like a whole bit or I'm going to fight a bear. Like, he, he's fine being alone in the wilderness and making it kind of like I'm in every frame and I'm carrying this movie. Sean, mm. if you switch if you switch Leo and Damon with The Revenant and The Martian, what happens? Um, the Martian still works and the Revenant still doesn't work. I mean, like that's just generally how I feel about both those movies. Either way, it doesn't even matter who's in those parts. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is like, it feels like a slightly false equivalency. Like they're around the same age and they're both white guys and they're both handsome and they're both movie stars, but they've both been after completely different things. Like Leo has never participated in a franchise. Matt Damon has been in the Ocean's Eleven trilogy and he's made four Bourne movies. Yeah. Um, you know, Damon has made more of an effort to be an action star. Uh, but Damon, to Chris's point, has also been willing to just show up in the final third of Interstellar being mm-hmm. unbilled. He's willing to do a cameo in Thor Ragnarok. Like, he's just, he has a different yeah. relationship he's just in to like, He's like in side effects, you know, just like yeah. a, for, for a minute, you know? Takes himself a little bit less seriously than Leonardo DiCaprio does. Yes. And, and But I think Leo, to his credit, taking himself so seriously consequently has meant he basically only makes great movies. You know, he's had... Some J. Edgar misses here and there, but for the most part, if there's a Leo movie, it's probably going to be damn good. And right. Damon is more experimental. And I, I love that about him. And I, I get a kick out of seeing him in anything. And this is one of his few movies where he owns it. Like he is the movie. And right. the movie without him, it, it cannot go. It needs somebody with his powers. But I, I don't even see them as the same. They're like comparing like Paul Newman and Clint Eastwood to me. Like they were after different pursuits as yeah. movie stars. Well, he didn't win the Oscar because Leo won for Revenant. I actually think this might have been Damon's best chance to win the Oscar. 
Because the other time when he when he got nominated for Goodwill Hunting and he was great in Goodwill Hunting, like really great. But that's Nicholson as good as it gets. Nobody's beating Nicholson that year. That was like the LeBron 2020 NBA Finals where it's just like, this is happening. Right. We'll make this happen. Right. And if it's not totally happening, the refs are going to help make it happen. It's fucking happening. LeBron's winning this title. Uh, that was Nicholson that year. Nobody was beating him. And now Damon's, you know, he's, I think he's 50 plus now. So now he he's changing it to that. Yeah. If it happens, he needs like his version of the verdict, basically, which is what, what ended up happening for Newman. But he's going to need that older guy. He's going to have to age into the right Oscar part. So we learned that Van, Van's is, Van likes more serious actors. That's that's what I learned from this so far. You're, you're a serious guy. No, I mean, I like it, it. Not even to that degree. I think that like, to Sean's point, Leo makes such destination appointment movies, right? Yeah. Have you seen Wolf of Wall Street? Have you seen uh, Inception? Um, even. Inception. Like, have you seen these movies? Oh, you got to go see this. Have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Have you seen these movies? Something that if you don't, you can't be in the nerd circle, film guy circle, if you haven't seen these pictures. And Damon just doesn't make those types of movies. He makes a lot of different great kind of movies. But he doesn't kind of, the, the stakes aren't as high, like high leverage films. He doesn't really make those joints. But it's always fun wherever, whenever you see him. Chris, do you consider Sean the president of the nerd circle or is he like secretary of state? <laughs> <laughs> Sean, what was the role that Damon was going to do in Manchester by the Sea? Was he supposed to be the, the lead? Affleck? Yeah. So that would have been his Oscar shot. That would have been his yeah. Oscar shot. But I bet that would have been a different movie. I bet that would have felt different. But that was a case where- He would have crushed that. He, yeah, he he could potentially win um best uh, an Oscar for producing before acting like that was his choice as a producer to say I shouldn't be the lead Casey should be the lead in this movie he's better suited to it I'm too old for it um and the movie will be better if it's not me and like credit to him for knowing that specifically and you know he already has an Oscar he has a screenplay yeah. Oscar it won it very early on if you could if you're on a desert island or if you're on Mars. And you could only have the DVDs of Damon or Leo. Who would you rather have? Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt, to me, Matt Damon. Matt dude, Damon I made just, more fun movies. I could get through my time just watching The Talented Mr. Ripley. I love that fucking movie. Yeah. There I you go. Over and over and over again. I still again. ride for Matt Damon. I'm going uh, Leo. I just want to watch Body of Lies and Blood Diamond while I'm on Mars. <laughs> Blood <laughs> Diamond. Wow. Uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about Ridley Scott quickly. Let's. This is the if Tom Brady won a Super Bowl at age fifty on like the L.A. Chargers, we'd be like, "Wow, how'd that happen?" Ridley Scott. I don't know how. What was he like? Seventy three, seventy four when he made this. But I was looking at his IMDb. He has an iconic movie in five decades, and I was trying to think, Sean, the Five Decade Club cannot have more than five directors in it, right? Here, he's got Alien in 79. He's got Blade Runner in 82. Thelma and Louise in 91. Gladiator in 2000. And The Martian in 2015. Five decades mm. of movies that will last in all kinds of different ways. Scorsese's obviously in there. Mm -hmm. Other than that... Spielberg. Spielberg. Spielberg, yeah. Hitchcock. Spiel What's Spielberg's iconic movie for this decade? 
I guess I Lincoln. Mean, Lincoln, yeah. the post. Lincoln? Yeah. Fuck that. No, the no, that's the, the that's wrong. That's not true. <laughs> I don't think the post. <laughs> how, many, how, many Link, <laughs> how many Lincoln conversations have you had? The Lincoln was a big fucking deal. What are you doing? Like Lincoln, like Lincoln was. A, <laughs> what are you Lincoln, talking like, about? Like Lincoln was. I don't know what you're saying, dog. Lincoln was a big deal. <laughs> Like what, what are you doing? Fuck that! Who talks about Lincoln? <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah, what, what, was what, last, what was the last Lincoln conversation you had? I, I, I don't know what to say, but Lincoln was a big deal. That was a <laughs> that's, that's an iconic. Guys are probably right. Like, the guy won the Oscar for portraying it. Like it's a big. That deal. was like million dollar baby to me. I saw it once. Um, all, right, uh, <laughs> all right, fine. I'll give him Lincoln. So Spielberg. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, we 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 just did we just did a big Hitchcock podcast on the big picture, and like he literally in the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties had major movies. But there, there, mm. you're right, and we talked about that exact idea how there's almost nobody who did, through five Kubrick decades did, had. Did Kubrick, Kubrick start in late fifties or early sixties? Fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, no ninety. I mean, I guess yeah, nineties with eyes wide shut. shut. Yeah. yeah, so so Kubrick doesn't yeah. get any more iconic than that. Yeah, if uh, eyes wide shut makes it, fucking Lincoln definitely <laughs> makes. it. So it, so if Oswald shut his yeah for sure. All right, so we'll do a Lincoln rewatchables. I'll watch it again. <laughs> Chris, do your Lincoln. You do a tremendous. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, anyway, Ridley Scott. Holy shit! You just look at those five, and there are some other great ones in there that I really liked. But um, Black Rain. <laughs> Someone to watch over me. You went oh, yeah. on that one, man. Wow, yeah, of course. What? Mimi Rogers throwing yeah, ninety nine with with like change up and sliders. Um, <laughs> he wasn't supposed to direct this movie. It was supposed to be Drew Goddard. He produced it. He was going to do it, and then he ended up getting something else. It was adapted from a two thousand eleven novel by Andy Weir, and we should just mention the cast. I it's hard to remember a movie that crushed this many parts. And it's a really diverse cast too, which I, I think in 2020 probably would have made more sense than 2015. It was it was a little ahead of its time in that respect. Damon, Jessica Chastain, Chris, Kristen Wiig, Jeff Daniels, Michael Pena, Sean Bean, not surviving a movie, not dying in the movie, I think yeah. for the first thing he's ever made. Kate Merritt, Donald Glover, Mackenzie Davis, Benedict Wong, um, just a really great cast. And Deion Waiters is going to be uh Deion Waiters is going to be a, a lively category for this. But um, Chris, you love movies when there's famous people doing in, bit parts. Do, yeah, in four scenes, just kind of chewing it up. Yeah, there's an absurd amount of talent very far down the bench in this movie. I mean, there's there's people, and also Ridley Scott is traditionally been, I and mean, you go back to Black Hawk Down very good at catching people a year before they blow up. So if you look at the cast of Black Hawk Down, it is essentially every big actor that would be in movies for the next 10 years after Black Hawk Down, with the exception almost of its star, Josh Hartnett. But like Eric Bana's in there. Um, Tom Hardy's in it. Orlando Bloom is in it. It's like all these people who would wind up blowing up right after that. In this movie, he catches Mackenzie Davis, who I don't know if she's like a movie star, but has definitely become kind of like a, an, a, a huge actress. And Donald Glover, like pre-Atlanta, just getting yeah. like three or four scenes all to himself. When you talk about getting somebody a year early, so people mistakenly say he did that with uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Gladiator. 
But we all knew he blew we up an eight millimeter, eight millimeter two years yeah, before. Right. Yeah, that was <laughs> that when eight millimeter was his <laughs> finishing school. Eight millimeter movie, was yeah. his breakthrough, his love magic, his leap. Yeah, Finn, are you in on the eight millimeter podcast? Love it. Oh, <laughs> now streaming on go. Amazon Prime. When I now say, streaming. It. Oh my god, eight millimeter. Love. Oh my to god, the, this to is the fantasy's point to where worst nightmare. I, I try to make Kalika watch it. She walked out. She walked out of the living room. You hear people walk out of the theater. She walked out of the living room. I love that movie. I don't understand, Mrs. Davis. The film <laughs> is real. It's real. <laughs> All right, we're doing it. I'm lo- I'm locking it down for the 2021 schedule. 2016 Oscars. Really quickly, Spotlight wins. Spotlight mm. will be coming up on a rewatchables later this year. They knew, Chris. They knew! <laughs> uh, and they let it happen! Bill, we should do 8mm the day after the vaccine drops. That should be like, <laughs> well, welcome to 2021, Time. baby. <laughs> All right. Pump That's yourself luck. full of Regeneron and let's listen to 8mm. <laughs> best, best actor, Oscars. Leo wins. Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl. Fastbender as Steve Jobs. I still don't know how that one happened. Matt Damon for The Martian. Can you name the fifth person in this category? 2016? Yeah. I can. Sean knows. Who is it, Sean? Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston in Trumbo. Oh, yeah. 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 Brian not Cranston. A, not a strong category that year. Uh, mm-hmm. Best picture. Spotlight wins. We also had The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, and Room. In retrospect, not a bad- Really good movie here. Not a bad class. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. We were out of Grantland, but we hadn't started Ringer yet, and we kind of missed out on some really good movie fodder this year, Sean. Yeah. If we re-voted on this one, I think Fury Road would have won. Like if there was a re-vote, because that movie's reputation has grown so much over time. Um, but this is like a pretty stacked list. I mean, The Revenant might be the worst movie that was nominated that year. Yeah, never watch it again in life. Vowed to myself. I'll put myself through it once in the theaters. I'll never do it again. I might as well just stand up on the wall and let people kick me in my nuts for two hours. I'll never do it again. <laughs> you, would rather, you would rather watch Room again before Revenant? Oof. Well, Room, I only... Uh, room, I don't fuck with movies like that and kids and being all exploited and shit like that. Like, I can watch that on the news. But Room, I only halfway saw just to say, oh, she's a great actress? Okay, cool, moving on. Yeah. So I didn't really even see that one. But yeah, The Revenant was like, it's crazy, man. The bear scene alone is like, why am I looking at this? <laughs> I think... I agree. Well, we all saw The Revenant together. We did. But I think the, um, the thing that's gotten lost with The Revenant, it, it was a cool movie theater movie. The yeah, colors the and the light and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I think on TV, it just loses some of it. The Martian, a really cool movie theater movie. That's also a really cool um, watching at home. I, I told you guys I watched this with my daughter last night who had never seen it. And she was like freaking out. And I think what's interesting about the movie, I noticed last night that not one person dies. And she was just convinced this person was going to die or that. And when Sebastian Stan goes out to fix the thing, it just seems like he's going to die, but he doesn't. Matt Damon doesn't. Nobody dies. Not one death, which has to be a record for a sci-fi movie. Sci-fi movie. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe they didn't like just kill off one astronaut. But they. It's it's this weirdly feel-good movie. Even when he's swearing on text, we don't see like the f bombs and all that mm-hmm. stuff. You know, like it's it's very PG thirteen. It's not R. 
which I, I respect. It's a good choice. I mean, I mean, this is like a big time mainstream old school movie. It's like a crowd pleasing family movie that celebrates something that I don't know. It just feels it just feels like a different wholesome time, you know, like to the point I was making at the top. Like it's just it, there are not a lot of movies like this now. Mm-hmm. It's very aspirational, like as a movie, like it, it's kind of how you would want things to go. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, even there's little things about the movie, like, what time period are we in? We're obviously in the near future. So, like, right? 2035, I think, is when the book is set, at least. Right. So, it's like, but they never give you a direct, it's like a lot of just things for you to kind of wrap your arm around. Like, you, when I was in the theater, I sank into the movie. And I was like, yo, man, about 20, 25 minutes in, I'm like, this is fucking great. This is good. I thought this was going to be some nerd shit, but this has heart, charm, all of that. It's almost Disney type shit. Mm. Seven Oscar nominations. Sean, 91% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Means um, nothing. $108, $108 million budget. It made $630 million. Yeah. That's another case for Damon over uh, Leo. His movies have printed money. If you just add it up, movie grosses, he destroys Leo. He does. I mean, obviously. He makes more movies though, right? Yeah, he so, makes... Well, he makes- look, yeah, you shooters have to shoot. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's like the Tyler Harrow. <laughs> he also shares, you know, that some of those movies are Clooney movies. Some of those movies are Brad Pitt movies. You know, when, when Leo's doing his thing, Leo is the man. He's by himself, you know. He's nobody's Anthony Davis. He's the dude. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. Leo does not have a a downsizing or a suburbicon on his CV. You know, yeah. Damon's got some L's too. Yeah, well, J. Edgar was one of the worst movies I've seen in the last seven years. So he's got that uh, coming up. We're gonna do the categories. Taking a break. Let's take a break to talk about FanDuel. Got to tell you about same game parlays on FanDuel Sportsbook. Some of the most fun I've had betting. Pretty simple. Combine multiple bets from one game into a single parlay. This way, the payouts are even bigger when you win. FanDuel will refund the first same game parlay you lose on any NFL game each week up to $10. You can bet a different parlay risk-free every NFL week all season long. For instance, let's say you think the Saints are going to win on Monday night over the Chargers. You just want to bet the money line, but you also want to bet that Breeze will throw at least two touchdowns. Calculate the odds. It's probably, I don't know, two to one. and Just do it. Best of all, you'll get 10 bucks back if you don't win with your first same-game parlay of the week. FanDuel, the only sportsbook app that has these same-game parlays. So if you don't already have a FanDuel account, use promo code REWATCHABLES when you sign up. So they know we sent you FanDuel to Sportsbook, promo code REWATCHABLES. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund, $10. Terms apply. Gambling problem, 800GAMBLER. West Virginia, 800GAMBLER.net. Indiana, 800 with it. Colorado, 800-522-4700. Iowa, 800-BETS-OFF. All right, we're going to do most rewatchable scene. The opening storm scene we'll start with. You know what I love about this movie out of out of just about everything? It fucking gets right into it. There's no 15-minute setup. There's no people playing backgammon in the spaceship and backstories and 
spending time on Kate Mara. Oh, does she kind of like this astronaut? It's like, no, we're in for a minute. And then they're doing their mission and there's a storm and Matt Damon gets taken out and we're off. And that's it. I don't think movies do that enough. If this was a Netflix series, they would have spent three episodes before the storm. It just would have kept going and going and like, oh, and then heading into episode four, he would have gotten hit. But uh, the storm scene, Van, um, your worst nightmare being on a storm in Mars or is there, are you scared of, is there anything else that frightens you more than that? As rocks and satellites are flying at you and you're in a fucking suit? Well, here's the thing. I don't like to fly, right? Mm. So... <laughs> Yeah. We have a right. couple of phobias right. before we get there. Before we get to before we get to Mars, let's get to Tulum or Cabo. Which, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So I don't, I don't, I don't really like to fly. So yeah, and and that's like when I watch the movie, I'm like, yo, these guys not scared. He wakes up with the suit blinking, impaled by some piece of shrapnel, yeah. and he's just like, okay, let's take it out and get to work. And that's kind of the thing. And even like when Sebastian Stan says, and they do little things to set up these characters. When, like, they're getting ready to decide whether or not they're going to leave or not, Sebastian Stan goes, uh, hey, Mark's dead. Let's go. Yeah. You think that that makes him a crass, in any regular movie, he's like the callous type of dude right there. But no, he's just a fucking astronaut who realizes that we're going to lose somebody else and, and like, we got to get out of here. So they didn't pigeonhole any characters until these like stereotypical depictions of people that they normally do. They do have do that one brief like that. moment of banter when they're kind of doing whatever uh, experiment they're doing before the storm hits, where you get, it is established that Mark doesn't shut up, that Mark likes yes. to talk shit, right. that Mark likes mm-hmm. to joke around. And that makes it so that when he is becomes the first space vlogger, it, it completely <laughs> works. And yeah. he's just like, I guess I'll just chat. Let's just do it. Well, I was going to save this for later, but let's do it now. Jessica Chastain, she leaves him behind. And the lesson, as always, don't fucking trust redheads. I, I don't know how to, I don't know how much more clear we need to make it with this movie, but it's what? just true. Yet again, yeah. another redhead letting sit. No, I'm just Sean's going to do a redhead. I'm just, I'm fucking with Sean. Um, My wife is a beautiful redhead. She's the most trustworthy person I know. How dare you? And also, I, I dated, a, I I dated would, a redhead for three years. Um, they're fantastic. With that said, she does kind of ditch him. Oh yeah, like it. It it's kind of hard to recover from, and I always forget <laughs> when I rewatch this movie. I'm like, I kind of don't like you. I feel like you could have done more. You're just like, <laughs> you just you just were like, fuck this. You could kind of see him stumbling, and she's like, ah, fuck it, we're out. I think she made the right call. Yeah, I think of that the she did. chances of survival when you get hit by a piece of machinery on Mars are low, and it is like a blinding storm. They have to abort. The thing is going to tip over. She's just, everything in this movie is just doing the math. Look, in Rocky Four, Apollo dies at Drago's hands. Not Stallone's fault at all. Not Rocky's fault. But he should have thrown the towel like three seconds sooner. And he's fucking tormented. He's driving around in his Lamborghini. Takes a fight in Russia for no money. Chastain just kills Matt Damon. She's good. It's like, hey, are we heading back to Earth now? What do you mean? You're acting as if- I I didn't even see any tears. It was 74 and clear. It was a rock storm on Mars, dog. They had to (laughs) smash. They had to get out. I mean, you're acting as if there there wasn't a lot of choice in the matter. How about one teardrop? Anything? Moist eyes? (laughs) There's a super funny moment in the movie when later on when they learn that Mark is still alive and- 
they're on the ship and she's like, oh, I left him behind. And then all the other crew members are like, no, no, you know, it was all of us. We all did it. And then she was like, I'm the commanding officer. I left him behind. And then no one says anything. They're just like, yeah, yeah that's kind of true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you bailed on him. Yeah. Bailed on him and unapologetically too. They get back in the ship. She's like, hey, where'd you guys put the uh, the chips? <laughs> I'm a little hungry. After the Is storm. this in the director's cut? I did not see the chips scene. <laughs> I don't like that she did that. Uh, next rewatchable scene when he blows himself up and then has the quote. So yeah, I blew myself up. So yeah, I blew myself up. Best guess, I forgot to account for the excess oxygen that I've been exhaling when I did my calculations because I'm stupid. He, he has some good deadpan stuff there, but the uh, blowing himself up thing is funny. Uh, next one, when he starts texting with NASA, he figures out some sort of fucking number thing. I, it's There's like five moments of this movie where I'm just like, I'm not smart enough to know what's going on here. I'm just going right. to trust the movie. Mm-hmm. I like the texting. His potato farm exploding is an awesome scene. Yeah. Oh, gut and heartbreaking. So gut wrenching too. Yeah, gut wrenching. He's been through all of this. And do they ever explain exactly why it all went to hell? But like that's his entire. He's he's rebuilt humanity on Mars, and in the blink of of an eye, it's gone. Ter- he did. Didn't he like? He stopped. Per- stop checking the calibration of whatever the oxygen with the other stuff was in there, and and it was kind of like his fuck up. I think right. I know that yeah. I don't know anything yeah, about science. Yeah, I don't science. know. Yeah, I don't think that's. Um, next rewatchable scene. A near and dear to my heart. The montage. You know I love montages. It's <laughs> a couple in this. That This one, the David Bowie Starman montage is fucking awesome. What a great song choice. A song that, especially when you use a 70s song, it's usually been in like five other movies. And, you know, Scorsese is always guilty of this, right? It's like, really, Layla, you're doing that one again? Bill, this no one, one has, has ever been used said correctly. that. <laughs> no one's ever criticized Martin Scorsese for using oh, Layla. He, he knows like 11 songs. They're <laughs> all like good. 10 Rolling Stones right. songs and Layla. So, yeah, that's, stones, that's a soundtrack. about the Stones, yeah. Um, Guys, just, just let's move on. That's just that's just horrifying. That's a, I just your your I two just, takes today have been Lincoln sucks and Martin Scorsese's I, music is bad. Say, like, I didn't music. say Lincoln sucks. <laughs> that, like, do not put that on me. We got to um, uh, like the good. Just listen to the Goodfellas soundtrack. It's not just Rolling Stone songs. I promise you. He's got a command of American popular music from the fifties through the late seventies. Trust me. So should I listen to the Goodfellas soundtrack when I watch Goodfellas or when I watch The Irishman when he uses all the songs? <laughs> I, you tell me. Uh, what, what I, re- I really like the, the Starman montage. Kudos to David right. Bowie. It's an example of this movie being very on the nose and it working. Like there are very few movies like, mm. that, that, to your point, every movie that ever shows the Vietnam War has Give Me Shelter. And you're just like, right. please give me a break here. But to put Starman in a movie about an astronaut stranded in space is like really difficult to pull off unless you have everything going for you and they, they have it. Van, you're a montage guy. Love montages. It's, it's crazy that you, that you say this. And then when I, when I think montages, I think 
you know, uh, Goodfellas. I think movies like that. I love montages. Montages to get you to the point. Let's speed it up. We got to go. You know what I mean? Like, give me a couple of scenes. Give me a song. We out. You know, we on to the next thing. Love montages. My single favorite montage ever is Boogie Nights, right? As Dirk Diggler's career is starting to take off when he films Spanish Pantalones. <laughs> Just the whole, the music, everything. It ends up in a disco. They're all doing this like... This uh, coordinated disco song. It's just like everything you want at that point in the movie. Scar you, mean, things, you mean when Scar Paul things. Thomas Anderson directly lifted all of the film techniques he took from Martin Scorsese to make Ooh. Boogie Nights, Bill? Oh. He, why yeah. didn't you say this to him when we did our podcast with him? <laughs> Don't remember me bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, to his uh, credit, he literally says it on the commentary for Boogie Nights. He's like, here's me stealing from Martin Scorsese again. Listen. He used Rolling Stones and Layla too much. It's irrefutable. <laughs> Nobody can argue this. Scorsese leaned out. No, he could have picked other songs. Two more rewatchable scenes. The Rescue. I got it. I got it. I got it. Way to go, Iron Man. Back, pull us in. Gotta say, could he use like forty seconds more of the reunion when he finally mm. gets? In it's the a ship? very abrupt ending. It's it's a, yeah. I, I I would the only Martian two I would have been interested up until that point was the trip home, right. and just and just Mark coming up to those guys and be like, hey, uh, remember when you fucking left me up on Mars? <laughs> I think I think I'm gonna take your dessert then. Thanks. It's, it's like they told yeah they told Ridley Scott. Hey man, could you shave five minutes? It's like, ah, fuck that. I'll just cut the reunion scene. And then it right. just got cut. But I wanted the scene where his mask's off, he's eating his first cheeseburger. And yeah. then he has the moment with Chastain where she kind of looks at him and and she's like, I'm sorry. And they just kind they kind of needed to have a moment that they never had. And he just had. goes and classic redhead shit. Right, right. Totally. Right. <laughs> Uh, no, but they needed that 30 seconds. I don't know why they didn't have it. It seemed like such an easy scene to put in there, especially especially with since he choices. was all emaciated by that point. He and and at the end of the movie, Damon does a good job of at least intimating that there are some psychological things that are starting to happen with him. Yeah. He's yeah. he's getting a little bit loopier. He's been by himself for a long time. He pets a machine before he leaves. You know, all of those things. And I would have liked to kind of have seen a little bit of that work out between and his calorie intake is so low. Like, you just see, yeah. you just start losing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your vitamins, like not getting any vitamins at all, your, your body just probably starts breaking down. So that, that the last scene is the ending. I like what they did with his hair. Like, even though he's quote unquote back, he definitely doesn't look the same. He looks kind of a, a slightly damaged but not totally damaged well he's, he's pretty swole when they start it he's pretty he's yeah. pretty diesel and then by the end of it he's he's kind of got like brad pitt benjamin button body so this is at the end he says uh the other question i get most frequently is when i was up there stranded by myself did i think i was gonna die yes absolutely and that's one you need to know going in because it's gonna happen to you this is space it does not cooperate. At some point, everything's gonna go south on you. Everything's gonna go south and you're gonna say, this is it. This is how I end. Now you can either accept that or you can get to work. That's all it is. 
you just begin. You do the math, you solve one problem, and you solve the next one, and then the next. And if you solve enough problems, you get to come home. All right, questions? Dan, good life advice there. Absolutely. The, the, the character had to have supreme confidence. He had to like rely on himself and still be willing to work together with everyone else. Think about how, uh, how, how much it took for him to reach out and reach across the aisle and get all everybody together to help him. But the, the main thing about Mark Watney, Mark Watney is one of the biggest G's in movie history. One of the biggest gangsters. He does not panic. He never panicked. Every time I watch this movie, I think, yo, at this particular moment is when I go, fuck it. I'm going to spend one day eating all the potatoes and I'm going to die full. You know what I mean? But he never, ever panicked. He knew that every, every problem has an answer and that's what saved his life. Mm. Well, the lesson of this movie is that last monologue. Um, get to work, do the math, solve a problem, solve the next problem, and just keep going. Castaway has that has that kind of lesson at the end of it's just like live it day by day and and wait, and one day that sale is going to come in and your life might change, but you got to keep going. It's weirdly kind of the same lesson. Damon's saying solve the problem, get to the next one. Hanks is saying Castaway kind of keep the faith. You never know what, what the next day the sale might bring in. Yeah, you it's not disagree? the message of Castaway at all. What's the your message, message from Castaway? <laughs> the, the message of Castaway is these hoes ain't loyal. You mean to tell, like, you know what I mean? I'm on, I'm, I'm stranded. Ain't nobody found a body. You know what I mean? I'm stranded. I'm up here. I'm, I'm spearing. I've turned into goddamn Swiss Family Robinson. I'm, I'm, I'm spearing fish. I've turned into Savage Man to get back to you. And when I get back to you, you with Mr. Big? <laughs> like, like on some real shit, I'd get all, I'd do all of this just to get back to you. And you're doing all of this crying. Yo, either we're going to drive away in the rain or you're going to stay with Law and Order SVU. Make a decision. But she, she, and she did, she wasn't loyal. Shout See, out to Van, her telling me about the- Van missed the movie because they set up in the <laughs> beginning, he's supposed to be with the redhead at the end. The whole exactly. point of the movie is <laughs> the redhead at the end. Now, there's a case where the redhead's actually- a nice and supportive character, unlike Jessica Chastain in The Martian, just leaving Matt Damon for dead. Oh, you're back. Cool. <laughs> Sorry, I left you for says. dead. <laughs> uh, what do you have for most rewatchable scene? I got the rescue. Can I just throw in a, a nod for um, Donald Glover explaining? Oh, that's mine. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, him like being like, here's how we're going to save him. The Purnell method. Okay, let's pretend that this stapler... Is the Hermes, and you are... I'm sorry, what's your name again? Teddy. I'm the director of NASA. Cool, Teddy, you're Earth. And right now, the Hermes is headed towards you, starting its month-long deceleration to intercept. But instead, what I'm proposing is... We start accelerating immediately to preserve velocity and gain even more. We don't intercept with Earth at all, but we come close enough to get a gravity assist and adjust course. Wow. I love that scene. It's super funny. It's obviously a great showcase for Glover, but it's also a perfect example of what makes the movie good, which is like, for the most part, it makes science super legible. It's like, yeah. this is what they're going to do. We're going to make Jeff Daniels stand over here. We're going to make Kristen Wiig stand over here. And then 
Glover is going to cook in between. And, and, him, and him being like, what's your name again? And he's like, Teddy, uh, I'm the director yes. of NASA. I'm the director of NASA. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I great, you're Earth. Scene. Yeah. Right. I was going to hit that in Deanne Waiters, but we covered it. What, Chris, what do you have from us rewatchable? I really like the ma- the making water and like the the early stages of the farming and the rations and stuff like that. So like that sequence in the beginning where he really gets to work, I think is sort of the soul of the movie. I like rescue scenes in general. And I think that rescue scene is incredibly well done because you know Matt Damon's not going to die because he's Matt Damon. He's the star of the movie. He has to come home. But I always feel like he's going to die when I'm watching it. The difference is, is that all the stuff that they're doing with the spaceship is like beyond my comprehension. Where they're like, let's just blow the airlocks and use the atmosphere as thrust and all that stuff. I'm like, sure, sounds that sounds right. The farming is actually makes sense. He's just like, I need fertilizer. I need water. I need this. Like you, it actually is pretty legible to see like what what he's doing back then. See, I disagree because when I saw the movie the first time, I was saying to my wife, like, they got to blow the airlocks. <laughs> it'll propel the shit. No, I didn't say that. Sorry. Man. No, I'm saying there's a certain point in this movie where, to me, the re- speaking to the Rich Purnell scene, where the drama on Earth supplants what's going on on Oh, Mars. for sure. Mm. For sure. He's waiting. All he can do is wait. Right. And yeah. what's, what's happening with all of them and what they're doing, that becomes the movie after a while. And that's why Donald Glover is so integral to it. This episode is supported by State Farm. Think about your first reaction after you have an accident. What do you do? You scream, oh no, or man, why did this happen? On the flip side, let's say you buy a new car or you lease a new car. Get in there and it smells great and you're like, man, this is awesome. But just remember, really the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring comes with a lot of chores because, you know, spring cleaning. One thing you can clean up right away, your phone bill. Just switch to Mint Mobile. They have unlimited talk, text, data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. $15 a month. That's like you can subscribe to two movie channels for that. I mean, what a great deal. Also, super easy to switch plans. Everyone gets so intimidated by, oh, my God, I don't know if I should switch my plan. It's not that hard. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash rewatch. That's us. That's mintmobile.com slash rewatch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for a first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's age the best? The title. Good title. Good title. Mm-hmm. The Martian. Yeah. I remember even seeing it before the movie came out. It was like Matt Damon, The Martian. I'm like, ah, oh, man, I don't, I don't know what this is about, but this sounds great. Um, growing the potatoes, we mentioned, for what's age the best. So uh, this is from Wikipedia. Being the mission's botanist, he improvises a garden inside the hab using Martian soil fertilized with the crew's bio waste and manufactures water from leftover rocket fuel. He then plants the crew's unused potatoes. That's what happened. I had no idea watching it. It made no sense. Like, what? He's using their shit? What's going on? But, you know, that's why he was a great botanist. 
Another what's aged the best, uh, Chastain's love for 70s disco music. It's just like a funny wrinkle that probably could have gone wrong in the wrong hands, but it didn't. Another what's aged the best, this is the movie, I think, if you wanted to isolate one movie that officially made Hollywood realize they should stop doing the 3D thing. Hmm. That people didn't like it that much. That this wasn't the next big thing. That people actually were like, ah, this kind of sucks. Why? Because it was a 3D release and, and no one really liked it? Or because they saw no, it? No, they, they kind of pivoted more toward 2D with a couple 3D showings. But it was really the 2D that carried it. And if you had said five years before, would this have been an awesome 3D movie? We're like, oh, yeah. And what they realized is that people just didn't really want 3D movies that way and they just wanted normal movies. So. I mean, I hate 3D, so... Yeah, I, mean, I-, I think all of us did. But Hollywood thought for five years that we were going to eat it up. I have two more Woods Age the Best. Two things that I love just in movies in general. Van, I love when someone has to stitch themselves up. Ah, oh, love Me it. Me too. It's, Me too. it's <laughs> never not worked in a movie. Every time it's like, oh, they, they, the shot of like the... The giant wound, and then it's like, oh, this is gonna hurt, and it just—it's always a great two minutes. Every Damon's time. done it, done that a couple of times. I think he did it a couple of times in Bourne movies. You know, yeah. he's, yeah. he's got to get the bullet I, out. I think a first—is he the first blood or first blood part two? When yes. Rambo does first it, blood, the first blood, the first one. Yeah, when he does it, the whole thing every time because it's like, hey, man, because you know, I'm gonna be honest with you. If I get cut that deep and the urgent care is closed. I'm gonna cry myself to sleep. It's not I, like I can't see myself stitching myself up. You like you stitch your own self. So every time I see it, it works. And then that that scene, by the way, that that scene where he's taking that thing out, we didn't talk about it, but whatever the shrapnel is, that to me was the most tense scene of the entire movie. To me, yeah, like he's there alone performing a medical procedure, stapling himself, doing the whole nine. Uh, nah, it was amazing. Well, you know, he puts the thing back together because he's trying to make sure none of it was still yes. in his body. Yes. Which I thought yeah. was like, I noticed that like Smart. the fourth time I watched this movie. The other thing I love in movies, and it's done perfectly in this movie, when there's the huge control room and something good happens and then it cuts the to the mission, control room. The mission control cheers. celebration is <laughs> ah, the best. It's the fucking best. Houston, this is Hermes Actual. We got him. Oh! Rodney is secure. What's better than the Mission Control Celebration? Oh, is a huge hit. I was trying to think what the first one was. Was it War Games? Ooh, that was, yeah, Ooh. War, it happened. happened is right, is right, right Stuff have Mission Control? I think War Games was before Right Stuff, though. But in general, if there's a big control room, I want everybody celebrating at some point. Even if it turns out they were wrong and the guy died, I still enjoy it. But this one was a, a particularly good control room celebration. Anything else uh, age the best for you guys? What do you got, Sean? Um, gosh, I mean, you, you guys hit so many of the things. Yeah. I would Anything? say, uh, Sean Bean. Uh, I mean, mm. I, I think that there really are, is no other character in this movie. Who's like, this is fucked up and he doesn't do it that much, but he is the only character who really expresses like, reg- you know, anger about a situation in this movie where he's like, you guys should have told these people, you know, like I, I'm in charge. He has like a little bit of like an argument with Vincent about who gets to to run the flight crew. And absent of him and absent of his performance, which is a little less like rah, rah, go get him. We can figure this out. I don't know if this movie is as good. Well, that would be another what's age the best. I like anytime, like if I said to Van right now, hey, Van, 
I'll expect your resignation at the end of this podcast. Mm. Anytime it's the I'll expect your resina- resignation at the end of the dot, 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 it's always good. It establishes like, all right, now this other guy, he doesn't fuck care. He's getting fired anyway. He's going he's right. to really go. It's like a weirdly a bad tactical move by the boss. Because I, I think it's a, when the it's thing's like not a, done yet. But I think it's like a show of strength. I, I, I always, I never understood that. Like that happens in a wire way down in the hole. Mm. Wire way down in the hole. Van Lathan, Jamil Hill here on the ringer, uh, where where Carcetti says to 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 Burrell, he says, uh, you know, I, I expect your resignation, and Burrell goes, "Fuck you, fire me." You know what yeah. I mean? Make make the whole big deal about it. And that's what that's what if I was Sean Bean, I'd have been like, "No, like fire me, and then I'm gonna go public." I'm going to tell everybody, you ain't even want to go get them. You didn't want to do the Rich Purnell somersault. Like, you didn't, you know what I mean? Like, so, nah, but I love it because it's always like a power play from the guy in charge. Like, quit, quit you yourself, think, kill yourself. You think the Texans did that with Bill O'Brien? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'll expect your resignation at the end of the season. He's like, no, motherfucker, fire <laughs> me right fire now. Me. Boom. Uh, what's age the worst? Other than unloyal redheads. Um, Jesus. China... China helping the U.S. is just really weird. Five years later, I got to be honest. Like, it's just, it it jumped out. Am I wrong? No comment. All right. You want to talk about like the the trade war? Like, what kind of conversation Ah, do you want to have here? Just it it jumped out. Is all I'll say. This movie won the Golden Globe for best musical or comedy. And people were so dumbfounded and outraged that they actually changed the rules after this happened because this had been this long thing of people submitting to the Golden Globes for best musical or comedy when it was obviously a drama. And and this was the one where everybody was like, what the fuck? The Martian's not a comedy? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just won best musical or comedy. Is that really a comedy? There's category fraud in that bullshit award show every single year. That's a funnier movie than The Martian. It's definitely funnier, but is it like classically a comedy? No, I hate the Golden Globes are terrible. Sebastian Stan. I have this as what's age the worst. This is such an obvious Mark Ruffalo part. And he was probably just like three years too old. But if this is like 2003 Mark Ruffalo, he's definitely in that part. There's Bill, this guy has the least to do in this movie. I know. I'm just saying. He shows up twice. Classic Mark Ruffalo part. (laughs) I don't. I don't agree. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I do either. That's Plus fine. Ruffalo, I he still, was busy I, doing spotlight. I can't change how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're really jousting on this one, Bill. You really you came in hot. Uh, I'm coming in hotter right now. What stage the worst? Kristen Wiig. Why is she in this movie? Yeah, I, this was on my list. <laughs> uh, you're right. This is this was this is like a tonal mistake I think her in this movie she doesn't have the register to be in the room with whereas Glover does like Glover knows how to do comedy but he can do it in a way that feels dramatic I don't think Kristen Wiig has that in her in her toolkit and so she's in a scene with Sean Bean and Jeff Daniels and it's like why is this person from an SNL sketch here right and it felt it feels like she's going to start playing one of her SNL characters like the the crazy aunt that jumps through the window at the end of the sketch. You kind yeah. of, you keep expecting her to become Kristen Wiig and she's just yeah. playing it straight. She it's, just doesn't really weird. Weird. here. Yeah. I don't it ever just, get it, the impression that she is like a public relations mastermind. Like she's right. not. So why is she in the room when like the most consequential decisions ever made in this history of humanity are happening? Like she doesn't even seem to have like a real like 
She's not like adding two cents here. She's just like, you guys fucked up. But let me know. What Everybody you need to else do. is serious and has all this gravitas and, and brings all of this shit with them. And she's kind of like, aren't we lost the astronaut? Our bad. That's like a terrible scene. You know, she just never kind of stuck around and made it believable. I I was gonna do this later, but for recasting couch, Carrie Washington in the I you know you guys know I love Carrie Washington, but Carrie Washington in this role, making a couple like kind of those those disappointed Carrie Washington faces or confused Carrie those couple faces that she has, I just think would have really worked. Carrie Washington where, also would have been amazing in the the war rooms, the the Mission Control celebration with the oh, like, yeah. like eyes welling up a little bit. Oh, she would have cried. She would have brought up some yeah. tears. Yeah, right. But I also think that character needs to kind of side eye Jeff Daniels a couple times, mm-hmm. where you're at least like, all right, if this person knows Jeff Daniels is a fucking scumbag, but. I don't know what Kristen Wiig's doing in any of these scenes. I, d- I didn't really understand that. Any other what's age the worst for you guys? I Yeah. Uh, well, I bet we all have this one, which is the uh, the sense that a government agency would feel in any way compelled to level with the American public. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like that moment where Kristen Wiig is like, we have 24 hours to like let people know about this. And those guys are all like, okay, well, we got to do it. Like, let's put out a statement <laughs> along with it. Do you do you guys think that the American public would care this much about this story? No, I had that for nitpicks. I, I think they've I think they've invented a world where they do. Yeah, yeah in twenty thirty five, and I think they're imagining like yeah. you know, eight years of Hillary and just like eight years of whatever else <laughs> comes after that, and it's just like everything is coasting along, you know. And then like we like we have the time and brain space to just be like, gosh, I'm right. so excited about this this guy on Mars. It's like Balloon Boy, you know? Like, <laughs> right, right. In a world, in a world where we've think about how much this mission must cost. You know what I mean? So in a world where the taxpayers would be like, yo, we're cool with spending a trillion dollars, two trillion dollars to send somebody to Mars and that, like, maybe, maybe. So I think maybe they've invented a world where, but today, no, you can never do that. Like we're trying to put bombs on the moon right now, Space Force. So who like who, you know, it's not, it's completely different. Trump would have been like, let him die. Uh, I thought it was weird that <laughs> I thought it was weird that CNN was still exactly the same as it is yeah. in 2015. It's just 20 years later we still have cable TV watched the same way. And all Can I stuff. ask you guys something? What did you think of Teddy's press conferences? Oh, weird. Yeah. Like kind yeah. of like a weird vibe, right? Like, nope, Mark Watney is dead. Just like, all right, just like a little bit of bedside manner for the American public here. It comes in a very interesting Jeff Daniels moment where he's only playing direct assholes. You know, he's a direct asshole in the newsroom. He's a direct asshole in Steve Jobs. And he's a direct asshole in this movie. He's like, he's he's firmly in a lane at this point where he can only play guys who shoot straight and are rude. Best. Oh, casting what ifs. Kate Blanchett was the original uh, choice for, for Lewis. Or Lewis, Jessica Chastain's role, but she had a scheduling conflict. So Ridley Scott went to plan B, Jessica Chastain. Kate Blanchett would have been interesting. I don't, I don't know. I, I actually like where they landed with Chastain. What just, you're really trying like to do her. is figure out whether Kate Blanchett is a redhead or not. Well, like, would yep. she have had to dye her hair to try to carry the, the evil redhead thing? Um, the other one was the Drew Goddard thing that we mentioned. Best that guy, aka the Joey Pants Award. I got to go with Benedict Wong because whenever I see him now in anything, I just, he's the guy from The Martian. 
Anybody uh, else would have? I know, I know Van will rock with me on this, but he is he is definitely uh, from the MCU. Like he is yeah. in the Doctor yeah. Strange universe. That's where we know him from. Mm-hmm. Any other candidates for this? I think that that's probably I think that's it. Yeah. That's fun. Vincent Hanna, give me all you got a word for best overacting. God bless him, but it's Glover. It's Glover. It's not Glover. For sure. It's not even close. I know we're coming at this backwards, but we can't commit to a firm launch date with this many unknowns. It's all right. Um, all 25 models for launch will take 414 days to reach Mars. They vary slightly in restoration, and the fuel requirement is nearly identical. Not a good time to launch, is it? Yeah. Earth and Mars are really badly positioned. Heck, it'd almost be easier if you, um... Almost easier to what? I need more coffee. Uh, well, he's also a, the winner of our next category, probably the Dan right, Raiders right, Award times. for Best Heat Check. Yeah, it's interesting. This has only happened a few times on the rewatchables yeah. where someone wins both. Who won them, the Triple Crown? Didn't somebody win all three? Best That Guy, Give Me All You Got, and Dan Waiters. It might yeah. have been Chong, I think Chong Lee. <laughs> I think Chong <laughs> Lee won all three, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Glover, Glover clearly got the script and he's like, I'm only in four scenes. I'm fucking going for it. Right. They will yeah. remember me when they watch this movie. And it's great. He's really good. And it, it's it's actually, he's different than Earn. It's not, you know, he's an amplified version of a Donald Glover experience, but it's a good character. I love him spitting the liquid into the wastebasket that has holes in it. That's just like genius <laughs> sight gag. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, recasting couch. Who did you guys have for the Kristen Wig part? I have Car- Carrie Washington. I was into that. Carrie Washington works. I, when I, I maybe because it was the same year, but I, I keep seeing. Um, I just blanked on her name. I had it in my head from Steve Jobs. She played the role like the other lady should have. Did she won the Kate, uh, Kate Winslet? Kate, Kate Winslet. Yeah. yeah. I keep oh. seeing. Kate Winslet from Steve Jobs. You know how she played that role? She was on his ass and, you know, she was in charge of his public face. Like, I see her. I keep seeing her right there. I think you could have made the case for Kate Winslet as Commander Lewis, too. Oh, yeah. That's mm. not bad. That would have been fun. I, uh, I say this with love and respect and acknowledgement that he was just on my podcast. This isn't my favorite Jeff Daniels performance. I wonder if... Like we had, I don't know. First of all, it would have been an interesting Tom Hanks performance. Passing the torch. Right. I just kind of would have liked to have Tom Hanks in the movie, but I don't I don't know who would have been better as Jeff Daniels. Was he supposed to, am I supposed to not like him? Yeah. Because I, I kind of so. like, I half not like him, but I don't, I'm not like, fuck that guy. That guy's a fucking asshole. He didn't, never totally got there for me in this. I think he's supposed to be one of the villains of the movie, really. And it's because of the way that, like Chris was saying, he talks in those press conferences and the way that he makes the decision to not make an attempt to rescue him until Sean Bean's character. Like, he has to be a foil. You have to be like, I don't trust whatever this guy says because he's only trying to protect the reputation of NASA and by proxy his own career. So who's the right actor for that? Because I don't feel like Daniel's pulled it off all the way. What are you looking for? Are you looking for yeah. somebody who feels like a little bit more like a pilot? Because like you could go Sinister. with like Jeff Bridges, you know, like you could get somebody who's mm-hmm. like got a little bit more cowboy to him or you could get somebody who's a little bit more of a bureaucrat like fucker, you know? It's to me, it's like a Tommy Lee Jones part. But he probably yeah, would have been too old for this. But like also he's too surly. Yeah, because that guy to become the director of NASA, he, 
he's not a bad dude. He just cannot afford the whole our, the whole movie is about us caring about one astronaut. That's the whole movie. If we don't care about one astronaut, the movie don't work, right? He is the one character that can't afford to care about one astronaut. Yeah. So it makes him kind of, but he still has to have some sort of charisma to the point to where you understand why he's the top dog there. You know How about I mean? Pat Riley? I, well, Pat I was Riley. just going to say, what about Ed Harris? Who should play Pat Riley in a movie? Ed Harris is a good Ed one. Harris works. Ed Harris works. I want this guy, Teddy needs to be Pat Riley, basically. Charismatic, handsome, and would actually absolutely cut somebody's throat. Throwing his, throwing his rings on the table. Yes. <laughs> Half-ass internet research. We mentioned a lot of this stuff. It was filmed in Jordan and Hungary. Apparently, there's a famous giant sound stage in Hungary that they film a lot of these movies in. So, shout out to Hungary. Um, NASA actually assisted the filmmakers. They liked this movie. So, they got a little involved with the science and technology. Matt Damon filmed his solo scenes for five straight weeks. A real potato film was installed on the studio lot with potatoes in all stages of growth to be used for filming. And then, uh, Chris, you mentioned earlier, Andy Weir said the story was set in 2035. When uh, Tom Brady will be playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> LeBron James will be back in Cleveland for the fourth time, <laughs> trying to uh, win a title. So there you go, Apex Mountain. Interesting Damon conversation here. I'm going to say no, but wanted to mention it. What is Matt Damon's Apex Mountain then? If not this, is it Goodwill Hunting? Is it? It's later. Uh, it's got to be the, the probably the first Bourne movie that I think it's becomes the, I think a it's, monster. Yeah, I still think it's Bourne. I mean, we've had Bourne. five years since this movie, and I don't know that Matt Damon has necessarily like you know made the yeah. most of whatever hmm. slingshot gravity <laughs> momentum he got from from Martian. We almost need a special category where it's like the the post Apex Mountain Apex, mm-hmm. where it's like the I still got it Mountain, <laughs> like the LeBron two thousand twenty. You thought I was done, but I'm really not. Watch this. Mountain. Right. Anything I we can do to it. make anything we can do to make Apex Mountain more confusing, I think we got to do it. <laughs> uh, I don't really have anybody else for uh, any actors in the movie for Apex Mountain here. I think everybody's either um, already at a good point in their career or headed for better things. I think. I, I think, think it's. I think it's Apex Mountain for potatoes. Honestly. Oh yeah, Potatoes. I was gonna say, what about botany? Yes, oh, definitely, certainly botany. Yeah, like if you had a botanist in your life, like let's say Van, one of his high school buddies, became a botanist, and this movie That's came funny. out, you'd be like, "Yo, yeah, Yay, botany. <laughs> it's Holy your time. shit, my G, it's your time, bro." They finally <laughs> said, I don't, I don't you know did a it. botanist. Mark Watney is the only botanist I know. Botanists everywhere, their tinders are just like exploding because all of a sudden it's like a search term. It's like, oh, you're a botanist? I just um, saw the Martian. Uh, Mars, possibly. Apex there Mountain not, Mars? Not been a lot of great moments in Mars history, you know? It's all total, it's total recall. What are you guys talking about? It's total recall. Yeah, you're right. Mm. Chris is right. But is, it, is that Mars's Apex Mountain or is it just the like the line, the famous line? Because what happens on Mars, you know, it's okay in the movie, but like the the, the Martian is Mars. I I, I think that, that that the idea of Mars becoming like Amsterdam is pretty 
pretty like apex to me. That's that's much like the total recall, like represent like the execution of the Mars. I guess I can see what you're saying, but I, I think I'd go. I'd say t- total recall is Mars is apex mountain. Picking nits. So apparently, Martian soil has <laughs> since been found to be toxic to both plant and animal life. I think there's a few wow. n- n- picking nits here. <laughs> so that's kind of problematic. They do feel like my. Microbial organisms have the potential to live on Mars. So if you're scoring at home, if you're a microbial or- organism, that could happen. Um, so the bit, the big flaw in this movie is the uh, the storm in the beginning, because apparently um, the atmospheric pressure on, on the Martian surface is so low that it would be a- akin to a very light breeze. And the author of the book that this was turned into a movie. Andy Weir, he said this was the biggest inaccuracy of the mm. story, that mm. they would not have a storm like this on Mars. Um, I had wouldn't Damon have lost more weight, but they do sneak that little side shot of him. And I think that he's he's it's a body double because Ridley Scott, Damon's like, I'll lose the weight again. And Ridley Scott's like, no, 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 because he like he almost <laughs> died doing courage under fire. But uh, so they used a body double for that. Um it looks like the guy that they had in seven. Strapped to the bed. Oh, yeah. It's it's rough. (laughs) Chris liked that one. Um, I got to say, as a a nitpick, I still don't totally understand Donald Glover's plan. And I feel like I'm a relatively smart guy. There's a couple moments in this movie where I'm just like, I'm not smart enough to understand that. I still don't understand the plan. And I've seen this movie five times at this point. I still don't totally get it. Do you guys... 100% 100% understand what the plan was? Well, I think a lot of it is because the first rocket blows up, right? So like the, when the first one goes, the test rocket that they try blows up, they need to basically have an extreme plan, but they can only use the Chinese rocket once. But I, but I mean- there's I like a gravity pull and that, there's yeah, there's stuff like, going it's on. It's basically like they're head. using the Earth's gravitational pull to slingshot the spaceship back faster. Hmm. Because they don't have to wait the six months to mount the- like the actual mission, it's already up there. My only nit to pick right there is why hadn't anyone ever thought about that before? That seems like a pretty awesome way to get around space if you yeah. can just whip around stuff. That was right. actually when I was watching the movie last night, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, why did it take Rich Purnell to have to come up with this idea? Like, there's hundreds of people working on this right now, and it's been happening for weeks and months, and no one thought of this, but. I, it does. It didn't. It does make sense because of the way that he describes it. Whether it is scientifically valid, I have no fucking idea. One thing I didn't get. Let me know if this jumped out to you guys. Doesn't it seem like um, tarps become ama- ama- amazingly handy in this movie? And Apex Mountain for tarps. Well, I was Apex just like for tarps. I was I was Good under call. the impression that you know space was very hostile. You know <laughs> that it's hard to live up there, and apparently you just need a tent. Apparently, you just need duct tape tape. and some plastic, and you can just like seal the wall and seal your helmet. I've been Mm. watching space movies for quite some time. Usually, people just explode when they come into contact with space. So I was just really surprised by the amount of of fixer upper stuff he was able to do with some tape and some tarp. Well, it's a it's a classic movie where somebody says something expositionally, and you're like, I guess that's true. Like for in that case, somebody says like, well, the atmosphere. Uh, in Mars's orbit is so thin that he only needs to put a tarp over the nose of his space module and he'll be fine. And so once you hear someone say that, you're like, well, of course that's true. I have no idea if that's true, if you could survive that, but they just make you believe it. 
you know, back to Apex Mountain for duct tape. Um, <laughs> duct tape in movies is usually somebody's going to die or get kidnapped. Mm-hmm. There's never like benevolent duct tape moments. Yeah. The duct tape is like heroic in this movie. It's huge. Yeah. It's like it's the a, coconuts in Castaway. It, we're just come back mountain makes you rethink for, uh, duct tape. Come back mountain. <laughs> Bet. Best quote, I like when he does the whole monologue about that ends with Mark Watney, space pirate. I'm about to leave for the Scaparelli crater where I'm going to commandeer the Ares 4 lander. Nobody explicitly gave me permission to do this, and they can't until I'm on board the Ares 4. So that means I'm going to be taking a craft over in international waters without permission, which by definition makes me a pirate. Mark Watney, space pirate. And uh, I like what he talk, brags about colonizing Mars and does the in-your-face Neil Armstrong. There's a lot of like funny quotes like that. Yeah, like, I love how often he says, here's the rub or, you know. Yeah, he's good. He's got good dialogue, good sarcasm. My favorite um, one is the Chiwetel's Are You Kidding Me? thing. You think he means it like, are you kidding me? You know? Mm-hmm. Or like, are you kidding me? I think it might be the second one. Really? Uh huh. Could be the first way. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it could be the first way. I love that. Do you think he? How do you think he means it? Like, are you think he means? <laughs> like, are you kidding? Because he could mean it the other way. You know what I mean? I I love that little scene. Yeah, I also I love when um Sean Bean and Benedict Wong are expect explaining to Hotel about how like they have to take the front of the spaceship off to get him going fast yeah. enough. And he's freaking out. And then Sean Bean's like, he hasn't even told you the bad part yet. <laughs> like, right. There's also the whole, the great like El- mission Elrond, Elrond yeah. method oh, yeah. thing oh, with, yeah. with Sean Bean, who's in the Lord of the Rings movies. You know, yeah. it's a great, it's a great shout. I really like Chewie Tell. Are we, are we sure he's having the career he should be having? Hmm. Has he gotten I... enough good parts? He's really good in this movie. And I, I actually think it's kind of a hard part because I have to like him. I have to trust him. He has to be appropriately confused at the right time. He's going to be a little sarcastic. He's got to get mad a couple of times. He's kind of like the Don Cheadle of Britain. You know what I mean? Where, I like that. You know, he's in a lot of big movies, gets all the things. You know what I mean? He's like my mm. man, Don. You know? I like him. Uh could this be remade as a 10-episode Netflix show? Please no. Probably unanswerable questions. What? Where was Mark Watney's family? What this was is, going on with this? This is the number one question. What the I fuck? <laughs> is, it's a combination of that and is Mark Watney like immediately hits the dating pool when he returns? Or does he need like five years to like get used to being back on Earth? I, Van, this is... I feel like you have the answer on this. I mean, I got, first of all, here's the thing with Mark Watney. When he comes back to Earth, he is the most famous man on the planet. Mm-hmm. Okay? So if this is the 60s, he's doing Tang commercials. You know what <laughs> I mean? Is the, the, like the whole nine. He's, he's made astronauts cool again. Mark Watney is hanging out with Scarlett Johansson. Mark Watney is doing all of these things. What they don't tell you is that the scene with Mark Watney and the kids, you know, at the end of the movie... It actually happens about five years later after Mark Watney has spent four or five years hoeing all around from, oh, from, from, from like you know, from, from, from coast to coast is <laughs> Mark Watney. Mark Watney's the biggest deal. All this Mark Watney, he's, he's had to do his thing. And so now he's like, you know what? I'm done okay. with that. Now I'm going to come back and I'm going to teach other kids what to happen if they're in a once 
in a gabillion situation. Well, there's two other possibilities here because it's established very early on in the movie. He might be annoying. Yeah. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. He he might be just one of those guys that you have fun hanging out with for two hours. But, but wouldn't mind leaving it. on another planet. Yeah. It's yeah. like push comes to shove. It's like, yeah, fuck it. Um, also, like possibly could be, could he have been gay? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. We'll never know. Ridley Scott just <laughs> wouldn't tell us. There's no deleted scene. We know we we know nothing about his background. We don't know if he did he have a roommate? He's did he super have a into living his girlfriend? He's into his parents. This was a big criticism of the movie for people who didn't like it was that there was essentially no character development really across the board. Like we just don't know very much about these people. But I, I would make the case that that's kind of what makes it good. You know, it just mm-hmm. makes us like locked into the mission of the movie, which is this guy's got to find a way to survive and NASA's got to find a way to save him. And that's really what the whole movie's about. And it's okay to not have to, like, I don't give a shit if he has a roommate or if he's gay or if he has a live-in girlfriend who he's afraid to commit to. Like, too often those details, like, bog down a movie with, like, fake detail. It's like, oh, well, let's make sure the audience, like, gets more invested in him. It's like, this guy might die on Mars. That's yeah. enough. We're good. Yeah. He, they could have given him a Helen Hunt picture to scare at, stare at every once in a while just to as an homage, castaway. Uh, next un- unanswerable question. Is this the only sci-fi movie ever where nobody dies? I actually think it probably is. I mean, we'd yeah, have to go. I, that's why it's unanswerable. We'd have to go through hundreds of sci-fi movies. Right. Um, I think it's probably the only one of the only ones of consequence where nobody dies. Right. Next unanswerable question. If there is CNN in 2035, are Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo still on it? Don is. Don is, right? Chris Cuomo's probably gone at that point. Gone where? Is Aaron Burnett still on it? I don't know. Chris Cuomo might very likely be the vice president of the United States or something like that. I don't know, man. But but Do we have a Wolf Blitzer hologram? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, would it be good, bad, or super weird to be married to an astronaut? I mean, that's my next unanswerable question because they go on a three-year mission at one point. Like I remember I went to the NBA finals for two weeks and my wife was pissed about it for like a month after because we had two small kids. But it's like, all right, I'm going to go to Mars. I'll see you in three years. Is just, it's aggressive. I feel like... you go to Mars, you're setting your family up for the rest of their lives, though. Because like Van's saying, you just get that Tang money coming in. You know, you just, it, those Tang checks never stop once you get back from Mars. I'll tell you this, I guess it depends on who you are. Because I think my father would have loved it if my mother had been an astronaut. <laughs> Going to Mars for three, five years at a time. I think he'd have been super down with that. So it depends. You know what I mean? A lot of people, I think, I think Trista Thompson would love that. If Chloe were an astronaut, I think he dig that. There's a lot of people out there who I the think question would be is, into that. The question is, is do the astronauts have IG? And they're like, hey, I, I saw you get tagged in this or I saw you like this photo. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm kind of like a couple light years away. So this is kind yeah. of awkward, but like you're right. making it a little hard for me to concentrate on my botany. <laughs> when well, I, when that, I see you out every night, you know? Right, yeah. We're getting somewhere because... My dad, my dad married an OBGYN. Kind of like an astronaut, yeah. 
Well, it kind of is because there would be like every three weekends, she was just on call the whole weekend. Yeah. Deep exploration. And let's just oh, say, <laughs> let's just say when she was on call all weekend, my dad wasn't exactly like, oh God, what do I do? He's like, cool, I'm going to watch sports all weekend all without weekend being judged. Yeah. And it was like watching him beat, I'm like, man, that actually would be pretty good to, marry, to be married to an OBGYN. You have the relationship, but then you also have these 48-hour windows to do whatever the fuck you want. Married to an astronaut, it was like, cool, I'll see you in three years. Right. Yeah. I'll let you, I'll let you know how it goes over here on Earth. Um, how long was he on Mars? There's that. This is actually answerable. Isn't it 533 days? days oh, no, he's... A soul is a day. He right? has to be up there... Yeah, Sol is, is a Sol a day because he's supposed to be up there for, for four years, right? Well, that's why this is unanswerable, but it's actually answerable. Because they make it Sol's. Um, he was there for 772 Sol's. Um, I'm sorry. He was there for 568 Sol's, which equals 578 Earth days. I don't know how they came up with that. Craig Horlbeck has helpfully shared a detail. A soul is slightly longer than an Earth day. It is approximately 24 hours and 39 minutes. Right. So it's an extra 10 days, basically. So there you go. Why did they call it? Why didn't they just call it days or the mega days? Maybe it takes longer. <laughs> Mar <the> Mars days. <laughs> uh, who won the movie? That one's pretty easy. This is no brainer. It's yes. Sean Bean. <laughs> <laughs> would you if they had a deleted scene where Sean Bean just gets beheaded at the end of the movie before I guess I actually what would, I, the, the Martian sequel I want is Bean and Damon swap roles Bean's just like day four I'm fucking eating potatoes again it's <laughs> fuck this fuck <laughs> uh, so we all have Damon for who won the movie yeah oh, of course. gotta be all right. Any last words? No, Bill. Let's do Lincoln. Let's watch Lincoln together, man. Watch Lincoln right now. Do I need to watch Lincoln again? I watched it once. Daniel Day Lewis was great. It was it was appropriately weighty and and it won some Oscars. But I I don't have we have we talked about it really since? No, I, I no not really. But I just don't think it's a movie to be completely fucked over, which is what you did. <laughs> So Fair. I don't. I, I, that's all right. Kind but of you thing. go through the Spielberg by decade. It's like Jaws, E.T. Mm -hmm. What was the, what was him for Saving Private Ryan for the nineties? Or would you go Schindler's? Or, I guess you have to do both. Or, or Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Yeah. yeah. Oh fuck. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't even know. You, you have to pick one of those three. Two thousands. Mm -hmm. What do you have? War of the Worlds. Minority Report. And is Minority Munich in the two thousand first decade? Right. Munich. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. All right. Fine. You guys are right. So nice to have Van here to also back up uh, obvious movie opinions in, in defiance of you, Bill. It's just fantastic. It's like I have ammunition in, in, in the artillery. It's incredible. He called you the king of nerd... nerd what'd you call them? Nerd movies? The nerd circle. The nerd circle. <laughs> the nerd, no, I'm, no, I didn't say... I said I am a part of nerd circles. Now, if Sean would like to be a part of my nerd circle... Bro, come be a part of the nerd circle. I'm most let's disappointed. In, let, let's screen Lincoln in, in nerd circle. <laughs> I'm going to watch let's Lincoln this weekend. Um, I'm most disappointed Chris didn't back me up on the Mark Ruffalo point. 
That's my favorite <laughs> I, point I, think I that had for the whole podcast. That would just been a complete podcast. waste of Mark Ruffalo's time, honestly. <laughs> 2003 Mark Ruffalo? It's not like the dude was in 13 going on 30. This movie came out five years ago. <laughs> five, I, that was my point. It was, 2000, it was a 2003 Mark Ruffalo part. It was before he made it. Okay. So was that... What does that Weird. even mean? That's like, why is it Roy Scheider in The Martian? That's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> why is it 2003 Mark Ruffalo in The Exorcist? It's like, I guess. <laughs> he would have pretty good in The Exorcist as a priest. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Can like this that. be a special podcast where we just time machine Mark Ruffalo in a different Around movies? the di- different eras. Uh, Mark, Ruffalo for, and Mark Ruffalo just wanders across the Casablanca bar. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can hear Van on The Wire Way Down in the Hole, which is currently uh, going through the best TV season, in my opinion, in the history of television, The Wire season four. And you yep. can hear him on Higher Learning. Yeah. He's got both of those. Chris Ryan, you're still cranking out the watch, right? Twice a week, man. Just like donuts. And you pop on the big picture with Sean every once in a while. You can listen to that one as well. And if you want to hear the old rewatchables, the entire archive is on Spotify, all 150 plus. Guys, a pleasure as always. Thank you.